When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit. Binge Boys is the show hosted by two middle-aged men. <laughs> Al Rudnick, across from me, is Lon Harris. We're not boys anymore, but then again, we'll always be boys because we got a little bit of, I don't know about you, Lon, I got a little touch of that Peter Pan. Yeah, we're, we're boys at heart and maturity level, so I think that's yes. where it counts. There you go, pal. Uh, and penis size. Those levels. Yes, pre-pubescent yeah. boys in the <laughs> This past. is how you find out, folks. I know you've been waiting 40-some episodes. When are these guys going to tell us in specific detail about their dicks? It's this episode. But, Lon, I thought we talked about saving that for oh, the Oh, yeah, Patreon. you're right, you're right. Not No uh, photos or video, just vivid word paintings. We're going to really describe in great detail. No yes, less than 600 uh, words. That's the assignment. Anything more, though, behind yeah, the paywall. Sorry, sorry, folks. And you see everything. <laughs> and I already see everything. Yeah. Patrick Stewart, <laughs> your most Patrick Stewart voice. Uh, yes, we should quote that every episode now. Lon, any, uh, anything uh, you want to uh, uh, touch on before we hop into the news? No, let's just hop into the news. I don't have anything. Here's an idea. Let's hop into the news. Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. Here's the news. We got to mention here at the top. Very sad, sad news this week. I, I hate to even have to report it out loud. Uh, the great mm-hmm. actor Michael K. Williams, beloved star of HBO's The Wire, Boardwalk Empire. So many great HBO shows. The Night Of, When They See Us. The guy was like the patron saint of great HBO content. When They See Us, I believe, is Netflix. Oh, When They See Us, you're right. That that one was Netflix. Uh, And Emmy-nominated this year for another HBO show, Lovecraft Country. There's only a handful. I I believe he would be the eighth posthumous Emmy winner for a performance ever. So that could mm, happen. Mm. Stay tuned in a few weeks. Uh, of course. Yeah. Omar from The Wire, one of the great characters on one of the great shows of all time. And just a, a tremendous loss. Yeah. Uh, I would he, say Chalky yeah. White on Boardwalk Empire. Another. I, I know that, you know, like that that's not as beloved a show as The Wire. But that character was really kind of the, the heart and soul of that show in a lot of ways. And, and, a, mm-hmm. and a very different I think it really kind of shows off his right. They're both they're both criminals, obviously. But Chucky White on uh, not a similar character to Omar. And a character who has just uh makes a complicated uh bad decisions in when they see us as one of the fathers of one of the kids in the Central Park Five. Um, just a really complicated role and not a likable guy in that role, but so well done playing that. Just a, a an artist and an actor and someone who cared about what he did and his impact on uh, culture and community and, um, yeah, just a... A big loss. Uh, and and I, was, I was also going to say... 
funny as well. I don't, do, you, do you ever watch that at yeah. IFC, The Spoils Before Dying? Do you remember Will Ferrell oh, yes. did those series where he was er- author Eric John Rosh? It was kind of like the American version yes. of like a dark place, like a Garth Marenghi sort of yes. thing. Yes, yes, Garth Marenghi, uh, so dark place. My, yeah. You know, out of sort of character, like Michael K. Williams starred in one of the seasons of this as this like retired jazz player who turned detective. Mm-hmm. And it was very funny. It was very dry. Like it was a great one of those turns where a dramatic actor shows you they, they can also. What was it called? Spoils the spo- of Well, The Spoils of Babylon was the first season. And then uh, yeah. Michael K. Williams starred in the second season, which was The Spoils Before Dying. But they both, yeah. like Kristen Wiig and I believe Maya Rudolph were in both of them. Yeah, the um, sprawling, self-serious. Uh, right, and they were hosted uh, by, like. Will Ferrell played this fake author named Eric John Rush. And these were all based yes. on his, you know, <laughs> novels from throughout the year. So they were all bookended by these, like, segments with Will Ferrell narrating. And then you'd mm-hmm. see the action of the ridiculous book he wrote play out. Yes, uh, um, Eric Jean Roche, very, very much a a drunk Orson yeah, Welles right. type character. Yeah, right. And it was, it, it's funny. <laughs> I, I like stuff like that where it's a parody of a thing that hasn't even existed in a long time. But like the old school, yes. like seventies TV miniseries where they would do stuff totally. like that, like. The Thorn right, like it, or it was yeah, it was based on uh, the work of an author. They'd appear and introduce it, you know, like whatever. Uh, so anyway. yes, uh, and he was also in uh, they. He did uh, I think a, a several comedy videos and and uh, little um, little shorts, but uh, one among them they he did the Wire the musical for funny. Yeah, or I mean, Die. Was, it's it's always nice when a when a you know an actor who's mostly known for not just serious but very dark sort of serious work, you know, also has that that side to them. He'll be really yeah. missed. A, a, a big loss, uh, sad to say, uh, Michael K. Waves. 100%. Uh, moving on. Universal will open their big slasher sequel, Halloween Kills, in theaters on October 15th and also on Peacock. So if you've got either the lower-cost ad-supported or the higher-cost, no-ads, premium, you know, first-class Peacock subscription, you will get to watch Halloween Kills, no additional cost, the day that it comes out in theaters, October fifteenth. But if you're a freeloader like me, no, you, you're none of your your free peacock folks. This is this is what they're doing. This is their big inducement. Like, hey, pay for peacock, you'll get to watch Mike Myers try to kill Jamie Lee Curtis uh-huh. and not quite get there. It's my pre- that's my spoiler. Again. I've not seen the film, but spoiler alert: I'm betting Laurie Strode makes it out of this one. Okay, folks. You know what? I I think it might be cool if this one, I mean, they comes out of nowhere, he marries There you go. That's the one twist we haven't Laurie seen. Laurie Strode and Mike Myers finally they do They finally it. get past their differences of him really wanting to stab her and her not wanting to be stabbed. It's just this, it's this one mm-hmm. obstacle they just haven't been able to get past. I would say finally, she he already murdered Laurie Strode. It's happened in other films. Just we we keep deleting them from the timeline of events. Oh, <laughs> I didn't yeah. even realize. Oh, like Halloween. Uh, one of them. Three. One of them. Yeah. Like he, 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 Jamie Lee Curtis got. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm I'm just saying. Like this. This is like our fourth take on. I don't think he has ever actually murdered successfully murdered Larsa. He drops her off of a roof one time. I feel like, but she's maybe in Halloween H two O. But she lives. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've gone right. through the entire series. They did Freddy vs. Jason. Why don't they do Michael vs. Jason? Uh, different studios. It yeah, was like the new line. New line had the 
Come on, get together. Or was studio. it dimension? Whoever. Like they figured out the right stuff. It's right stuff is why they don't all meet up all the time. You know what else would be like sick as hell if you got slasher, zombie killer, Michael Myers, and Mike Myers? Yeah, yeah baby. Boy. Yeah. And like what a oh, how gorgeous. What a gorgeous. I feel like after three minutes, people would be like, Well, we thought this would be we'd want to see this, but now I don't know where this is going to go from here. Like several Mike Because you Myers can't have it be Austin and- Powers because then the name joke doesn't work. It has to just be Mike Myers, the actor. Maybe it's on the Comic set of actor Austin Mike Myers. Myers. And then I'm going to throw one more little Everybody's like, this guy muscle. is being so difficult. He can't, like, why is he so hard to work with? Can we just stab? Can we just- I wish somebody would just come along in a jumpsuit and stab him. Yep. And, and then th- take this little delicious morsel on, uh, added in there. William Shatner shows up and he's like, you're wearing a mask of my face. It's like I'm sitting across from Bill Shatner right now. That your oppression is just unbelievable. Michael Myers. That's exactly how William Shatner's. Been. I, can't, I can't believe it. What a ground control yeah. to Michael I'm a Myers. man. Uh, and what a segue you've provided me because our next story is about Star Trek Day, Hal. Well done. Oh, unbelievable. Damn. That wasn't even intentional, right? That, there, that, just, we... ha- that just happened. Uh, damn. Uh, Star Trek Day was earlier this week. This year's Star Trek Day, by the way, commemorates the 55th anniversary of the original series debut. 55 years ago, this week, the very first Star Trek series. Debuted on CBS. Oh, God bless you, Gene Roddenberry. Only watched it back then. We all pretend that it was like this popular thing everybody was into, but most of you weren't. Most of you weren't hip to that shit if you were alive back then. At first, it was only a niche thing uh, for a long time. So anyway, we got a lot of news. Paramount Plus, they're they're hanging on desperately to this. This is one of the few real big things they've got is they've got all the Star Trek shows. So they... Picard yes. is coming back for season two in February. They've preemptively renewed it for season three. So we're going to get two more seasons oh. of Picard action. Uh, we got a mm-hmm. lot more info about another new series, Strange New Worlds. Now, did you watch Star Trek Discovery, Hal? So Star Trek not. Discovery takes place in the era like right before the original series Star Trek. I think now at this point it might overlap where it's actually they're happening around the same time. So we're right in the part of the timeline where they can start bringing in all sorts of characters that we met in the original series Star Trek. It's kind of like this is taking place during Kirk's lifetime now, you know. Um, So we Captain Pike and Spock and number one who were introduced on Star Trek Discovery. They're the stars of this new show, but they're bringing back a whole host of other classic series Star Trek characters. We're going to get a young Uhura. She's a cadet still. So we'll get a young version Great. of her. We're going to get Nurse Christine Chapel and Dr. Mbenga. I guess that means something if you're a hardcore fan of the original Star Trek series. So a lot uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening in Strange New Worlds coming soon. Uh, and then, you know, there are trailers, other updates for Discovery. There's that Prodigy one, which is the Nickelodeon animated Star Trek show. The first one ever for mm-hmm. kids. That one's debuting in November. A lot of Star Trek. Below Dex is coming back, I believe. I think they just wrapped up. So they 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 got the least amount of news because they're kind of in between seasons and it just finished. Uh, but that will be back. There's five ongoing Star Trek shows 
on Paramount Plus. So if you are a Trek fan, you got to get Paramount Plus, baby. And also, there you go. they got some some Mission Impossibles. There's a few classic uh, MTV shows. Oh, you can watch football yes, on Paramount+. Yes, starting this weekend, in fact, on Sunday, there'll be the NFL every weekend. All the CBS games will also stream on Paramount+. Plus. There you go. Lon, here's a question for you. Are you ready for some football? Me personally, no, I don't care. Oh, I am. I had uh, two fantasy football drafts this It past really week. does. Like, I... I am not a sports fan of, of any sport, but there are sports, mm-hmm. your basketballs, your soccer, where I feel okay. like, okay, I get how this could be entertaining. Like, I'm not that into it. I don't follow, like, I don't know who's who and keep up with all the players. But if you bring me to an NBA right. game, I'm like fast paced action. Look at that. It's crazy that that guy made that play. Like, I can appreciate it as a spectacle. But like your baseball, mm-hmm. your American football, I, I don't I can't even process what people are enjoying. It seems incredibly dull to me. There's not. It's just it's a lot. <laughs> it's just, no real. I'm, I'm just being like, I'm not trying to di- I'm not trying to shit on it. I get like everybody should enjoy no, what they want. You. I'm not judging it. I know things I like seem alien to other people. None of that. I'm just saying I can't process it at all. To me, it. Don't blame you one bit. I'll tell you one of my favorite things to do, Lon, is to put on a baseball game and then take a nap. And I'm so relaxed and comforted by it because I grew up with baseball. You, just, you so could compress all the, the parts where things happen into like six minutes, but it's like a three hour. You know, like there's all those annoying people that are like, I watch Sopranos at two times speed and I skip over all the therapy scenes. Like, don't do that. But that's what I feel yeah. like football you could do. Like, why don't they just do that when they put it on TV? Just like skip over all the parts where everybody's just standing around. Yeah. They have. They have done that. It's the uh, NFL Red right. Zone channel where they every time they're in scoring position and every time they're like in the red zone. The it's not even just line. that. It's like all the play, like all the exciting part, like all the big plays and like important things that happen in the game. Well, that's they're talking about a highlight. Yeah, show. I know, but it's like it's like show. ten minutes of a three-hour experience is like interesting, and the rest of it is like, uh, it's that beer commercial again. That was a good beer commercial. Like, true, but yeah, that's where you go get up and take a piss. So well, let me ask you this: it's one. also a day uh, drinking thing. I can't if I drink beer all afternoon, I'm just gonna pass out. Like I can't do that anymore. What about going? What about you? You don't like sitting in the sunshine at a ballpark uh, and uh, having a couple of beers? Well, like, will I go dog? to Dodger Stadium and go see a ball game? Of, of course, of course, I'm a red blooded American. Right, you drink go. some beer, you have a hot dog. It's still boring, yeah, but you're outside and you're with your friends and. You know, like, I think on that level, I appreciate it as an event, as an activity. Again, I'm still not really there watching the game. Like, I don't care about the game. In the moment where a guy hits a home run, you're like, hey! And then I'm back to, where's my soft pretzel? Sure, listen, it's not for But no, I've been many times. I've been many times to Dodger Stadium. I've been to the Angel Stadium down in... um, you're, yeah, I've been to Candlestick Park. I've seen games. I've seen games all all over this great land of ours, up and down the great yeah. state of California. Lon, God Thank bless you. you. Let's God move on. You. CBS announced a new reality competition series, The Activist. This is this is raising oh, a lot of boy. people's 
ire and dander and, and all sorts of other words. It seems to me the chosen hosts for this show are not really activists. Well, sure. I, I, that, like, I mean, I, shouldn't they have Greta Thunberg or somebody hosting I mean, this thing? What about that little Greta Thunberg? What's she so doing right So six competitors, they'll be divided into three teams, and they're trying to get the most attention to their campaigns. The winners get to go to the G20 Summit in Rome to pitch their cause to world leaders. Uh, and as you mentioned, oh. the hosts are Usher, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, and Julianne Huff. Those just seem like hot. But you're really people. zeroing in like if there were better celebrities, this would not be weird. And I think what most people are reacting to is that the idea of an activism game show is itself weird, even if you had good activists, like even if you had real people. It's still like, well, just give money to all these causes. Like, why are you making it a competition? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't like how you did this. So no money for orphans. Like, it just seems ghoulish on some level to turn activism into a into a sideshow. That's a great point. And I 100% It's not my point. A lot that. of people are making it. And no, and, and I do agree with that. But I also see another world if it was hosted by less superficial influencery people. But those people are out seemingly. doing things. I mean, I think that's the main complaint about this is that, and it's put on by this group, Global Citizen. And a lot of people looked into it. It's one of the, it's funded by like the Gates Foundation and a lot of corporate donors. And it's one of these, like, yeah. it's the activism equivalent of money laundering. Like, you give this group a right. little bit of time and they give you like this real safe thing to do. Like they hosted all those like Vax Live, the concert to like say good things about vaccines and frontline workers. And, ah, and you're like, how does this benefit anybody? And it's like, it doesn't really. It's just like spectacle. If you were going to signal boost good causes and the heart was in the right place, I think there's a place for that on TV. But um, just on first blush, it looks really superficial and poorly packaged to me. Especially, I've never been a fan of Julianne Huff. I don't know. I just can't I can't take it out of my mind. that, Like, just she's, her celebrity seems just like, so, like, oh, great. She's she can yeah, dance. Yeah, she's like... And she didn't know it's wrong to well, do. Well, I'm black not defending face. the blackface thing, but you could like dancing is a legit way to get famous. I'm not taking like there are plenty of people who got famous for dancing, and that's fine. I don't think we should knock that as a as a thing. I've just never been a huge Julianne Huff fan. I, yeah, sure. I, I said it. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't trying to start. A what feud about with what Julianne? about the great Channing Tatum? He became famous first for his dancing, Mr. Rudnick. Without well, the step-ups and the magic mics, we wouldn't have the Channing Tatum we have today. Yeah, but he's, he's a decent but actor. But some people can come up through the dancing-to-acting pathway. Oh, listen, I don't want to besmirch all dancers. There are many great dancers. Barishnikov, Gregory Hines. Jennifer Lopez, former Fly Girl. Yes. Oh, you know I'm a big fan of J-Lo's work and her love Of course, life, so. just in general and always. Oh, we've talked about uh, we Benifer and, uh, and 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 J Rod and all that on this on our Let's show. Never here. say J Rod again. I don't like that at all. I'll say J Rod wow. all day long. What are you going to do about it, pal? Literally nothing. I'm not going to do anything about it. 
It broke my heart when those two. Really? You're more into J-Rod than Benefer. That's shocking. No, I was. I liked that. I didn't say more. I didn't say more, but I liked that pairing. But now that she's with Ben, I don't know. I'm Did like, you see okay. them at Venice today? They Just today, the, the, the last duel, Benefer's, uh, Ben's new film that he did with Ridley Scott. Uh, that's mm-hmm. at Venice. So they, they showed them showing up together and they do very, they're very, they're very cute together. They've got that, that new relationship sort of go- googly eyed glow. Uh, yes. a lot of people were pointing that out today. So we're all, we're all, we're all happy for Benefer. Didn't grab the as many headlines as Oscar Isaac and Jessica Who Chastain could? on doing the, the doing the the Adams family uh, arm correct. I could. People were taking great offense to that. They've known each other for so long, and they're they're actors. I just with actors, I always assume yeah. like ah, they're just doing that for attention. Well, yeah, who knows? Maybe, but uh, you're in front of all those that. photographers. You're promoting a movie yes, where you're that. married or a show. It's a miniseries, you know. Exactly. We'll talk about exactly. that next week. I can't wait to start watching that. Scenes from a marriage. I, I think that needs to do a mashup with marriage Scenes story. Scenes from a marriage story where it's just Oscar Isaac yes. punching walls with that Adam Driver. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's a good one. That, what, what, uh, we'll, we'll get on to more news. I just got to say, brass fucking balls to be like, you know what I'm going to do? That Bergman miniseries. I mean, it's just Igmar Bergman made it. Why shouldn't I remake it? Like, really? Oh, all right. Oh, scenes from a marriage. Scenes from a marriage is a remake of a very highly esteemed, like has its own Criterion collection seventies miniseries made by Igmar Bergman, and it's like one of his most lauded signature projects. And so to just be like, I'm the guy who did the affair and in treatment, I'm gonna make that Bergman thing my own. Because like, more power to you, buddy. Like, wow, what bold. Let's see. Let's see what yeah, you got. Like, yeah, you talk about uh, tr- trying to uh, remake s- something, one of the great. Yeah, like, fucking shit. That is like, that is like, uh, like, you know, Ben Wheatley, we were talking about him, the guy who did In the Earth. He did that Netflix Rebecca. Yes. And it's like, Hitchcock. All right, man. Well, let, well, <laughs> all right. Let, 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 well, let's see what you can do with it. It did, it did not work out that well for him. Hopefully, I, I wish better luck to the, mm-hmm. the guy doing Scenes for Marriage. Looking forward to that. Next news story, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame, of course, exited the planned Amazon Mm -hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith series. She and Donald Glover were going to do this together. Uh, Apparently, they had a creative difference about the tone or the direction of the show. It was Donald Glover's project. Like, he conceived of it and brought it to Amazon. He had brought her aboard. They did Solo, a Star Wars story together. He was Lando. She was L337, of course, the droid. This was an opportunity mm-hmm. to work together together again. Apparently it was an amicable split, though. Glover is still going to move forward with this Mr. and Mrs. Smith show and find some other actress to find a Mrs. We need a Mrs. A Mrs. Smith. Smith. I'm somewhat ashamed to say that uh, I, uh, for a little while last year, I think it was, I was confusing Phoebe Waller-Bridge with Phoebe right. Bridgers. Yeah, the, the L.A. sort of singer-songwriter versus the British yes. star of Fleabag. Phoebe Bridgers, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Waller-Bridge is the Fleabag uh, British lady. Yes. Like, yeah, lo- know, loves the hot priest. That's that's her. Yep, yep. No, I very much enjoy uh, Well, Fleabag. there you go. 
Who's your Who's your ideal Mrs. Smith? Who would you like to see go opposite I just, Donald I just Glover? Really like I don't. This it's just so not interesting to me. I just don't. I don't get why mm-hmm. they're doing that. Like, I don't think it's that interesting of a story. I think it's kind of like weird. Like both movie versions of this story are weird, and they don't really get the mm-hmm. dynamic. I guess it's supposed to be fun. But it just ends mm-hmm. up being either, like, unrealistic or, like, mean-spirited. Like, I don't really feel like anybody's ever nailed it. Maybe Donald Glover has, like, a brilliant take on it. A fun spin. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like it would be almost fun to see him in Zazie Beats. Like, they're they're already the couple in Atlanta. Like, give them this very different... Because she's she could do action. We saw her in Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. No, she's fantastic. She's, uh, I think she's an excellent So I almost feel like, let's just carry that. They have good chemistry. Let's carry that one over. Brian Tyree Henry can be a villain or something. Let's just, you know. You're just listing the cast members of Atlanta. We already know that. That was was kind of my bit. It's like they have a lot of group unity, so let's figure out a part for Lakeith. Like, that was what I was. No, Brian, uh, but Brian Tyree Henry's paper Uh, boy. On Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't like the idea of crossing over oh, the world. No, I'm not saying they're... Unless they I'm not saying it's a shared universe. fictional universe. I was just saying the actor. That I could get it. I love the idea of weird shared right. universes. Like we figured out with uh, David Duchovny Right, where the real David Duchovny is in both Larry Sanders <laughs> and the chair. The chairverse. Yes. Breaking news in the chairverse. Yes. TBD, TBD, Mrs. Well, Smith. what about you? Who would be your ideal Mrs. Smith? Oh, my ideal Roseanne. Mrs. Smith. Now, she's not doing anything. They, she, they kicked her off the Connors. I am loving that May December <laughs> romance. Like, ah, you're Ooh. trying to kill me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm conservative. <laughs> Obamacare. Well, this guy's going to kill me, babe. You better hurry up because COVID ain't real. Oh, oh, no. Uh. Okay. Uh, I don't. I actually don't even know. I don't even know, and I'm glad not to know. I'm sure Roseanne has a fucking crazy take on COVID, but I'm glad to say I don't know yeah. what it is. Yes. WB exactly. announced plans for an official Game of Thrones fan convention. This will be held in Vegas at the Rio Throne Fest. I am Throne so Fest there. 2022. I am going to be on fucking acid all day, dressed up like the don't mountain, and I'm going to go around popping heads. No, wait, popping ah, heads definitely don't day. pop heads on on acid. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Oh, so the yeah. Rio February 2022 panel discussion special guest. Her name is Rio, and it's hosting Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, Duran Duran will be playing opening night. Uh, no, I don't. I can't. I can't promise Simon Lebon will be there. Uh, but there will be panel discussions, special guests, maybe Simon Lebon. Who's to say it's not Simon Lebon? Uh, trivia and cosplay competitions, autograph signings, merch, and much more. Of course, next year also we're getting a new Game of Thrones series, uh, House of the Dragon. That's that prequel series about the Targaryens. There is a house in Westeros. Actually, I think That's this might be Essos. The House of the Dragon. Oh no, it's Dragonstone. I don't know. I'm not. This is this is well before the events of of Game of Thrones. Uh, during a mm-hmm, civil war mm-hmm. within the House of Targaryen. Oh, we might get to meet the man. No, I believe King. this is prior. I mean, maybe as a boy, but I believe this is even the mm. generation before that. I don't oh, know that geez. much. I was not a book guy. I'm more a TV guy. So I really, if you get much before the era of the show, I don't really know that much of like Westerosi Essos history. 
We're getting into mm-hmm. it here. The Dance of the Dragons, as this war became known, is frequently mentioned in Game of Thrones. It's it's become like well-known lore for those characters. And now we're going to go back in time and see it actually play out for our entertainment. I thought the Dance of the Dragons is when two dragons Yeah, that's what hump. happens in this show. All the action starts with a dragon or that's already been it, what was it south park did the dragon orgy what what show did that rick and morty it was rick and morty yeah okay um yeah like did, did drag dragons probably have a cloica cloica yeah cloica. probably i don't know what they're are they they're they're lizards are they lizards right they're flying yeah, like lizards that. you know how actually dragons were more like birds like, oh, okay. I wonder if in, in like fantasy universes they're like annoying people that are like, you know, those are what dragons look like. They were like I mean, birds. There are uh, MFers out there that speak. They all had feathers. So I, I don't doubt there are people that will, um, that will check you on um, whether you call a dragon. Fuck a you, bird. Narnia nerds. Or a reptile. No, I don't, are there, there are no dragons in Narnia. It's all like, ooh, ooh, ooh I have a god, the legs of a goat. It's like that shit in Narnia. Like, ah, I'm a mouse with a sword. Yeah, you can probably find a griffin. Yeah, there's or, nothing cool. There's nothing cool about Narnia, kids. If you take one lesson away from today's Binge Boys, Travis, please make this the title of the episode. There's nothing cool about Narnia. <laughs> nothing. Now, one thing. <laughs> Wow, shots fired at C.S. Lewis. Fuck you, C.S. Lewis. No, there isn't. Literally, Damn. not one. Be like, well, what, what happens when they first get to Narnia? They get invited for tea. Like, that's not fun. What? That's not an adventure. Uh, Hobbits are fucking about- running for their goddamn lives. What about the sick-ass religious Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we gotta go meet Jesus, but he's a lion. Fuck you, man. This sucks. Damn, Lon, Lon don't like get allegories about the King of Kings. <laughs> Nerd shit. I'm upset about it. Oh, I, I do like... Uh, Not like Lord of the Rings, which was for uh, cool kids. That was those of us who were like the really fucking awesome kids. We were into Wheel of Time, motherfucker. I do like, uh, speaking of Narnia, the old school SNL digital video... Uh, Lazy oh, where Sunday. they go see the the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah, those movies yeah. also bad, but it's not their fault. They're trying their best. The stories are bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, look, we also watch some trailers. How? Gosh, we got a lot to get through. Tra- we watched. We I sent you three trailers. I, I hope you did your along. homework. Uh, the Matrix yes. Resurrections is the first one. This is the fourth movie in the Matrix franchise. No Lily Wachowski this time. Just Lana. She worked on this mm-hmm. one solo. Lily working on the Showtime series Work in Progress. So Keanu, Carrie Ann Moss, and Jada Pinkett Smith are all back. We're also adding mm-hmm. a bunch of new actors. Jessica Henwick, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. Another mention, her second of the week, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, Jonathan Groff, mm-hmm. and Neil Patrick Harris. This is going to open both in theaters and on HBO Max on December 22nd. Just in time for Christmas. Ooh, what an early Christmas gift that's going to be. Santa's bringing the Matrix. Yeah, the trailer looks good. Hopefully the movie can live up to that. I, I enjoyed it. I, like, And it's really capitalizing on all that red pill, blue pill yeah. shit that's uh, the happening The men's rights activists can't wait to see it. Get red-pilled, bro. Um, 
I think Viagra is missing a clutch, a clutch tie-in with those blue pills. No, you're not supposed to take the blue. He's not walking around with a boner all the time. It's like blissed out, you know, lost in the simulation, man. There's obviously something we don't know, you know? Like, I feel like it's one of those things where, like... Right now, we're just everybody's trying to come up with like what's going on. It's like you're 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 just being jerked around. Like there's some level to this that mm-hmm. we don't understand yet. I'm confident that Lana has some trick up her sleeve about where this is going. Mm-hmm. I've actually heard a little bit about it, but I can't. Say You've heard like an insider. Say. You know what's going on in the Matrix. Yes. Wait, hang on, yes, Hal. Hang on. Bit. Do yes. you know Neo? I can neither confirm. Wow, how's friends with me? That I, with your love of name dropping, neither. I'm surprised this has never come up before. That you know, I know the I chosen ooh, one. I love. Ooh, I love to. Oops, ooh, a name oh, fell out of my oh, oh, just the chosen ooh. one who's going to protect uh, all of us, oh. save Zion. Oh my goodness! I saw Chris Evans at the Trader yeah, Joe's. Always that nonstop Hollywood Al. Jeez. But anyway, let let that one slide. But um, so I'm very curious. Hal knows the answer. Little, I, I feel like there's something. I will say one interesting thing that I've seen some people point out in the trailer. There are moments where projected onto walls or in the background are scenes from the original film, The Matrix. And not like memories, like in the mm-hmm. reality of this new Matrix, there seems to be a copy of the movie the Matrix. Mm. There's got to be some kind of meta level to this thing on some level, it seems. And then Jonathan Groff uh, has a line in the trailer where he says, are you talking about going back into The Matrix? Which could be the movie The Matrix, not, Very not The Matrix The Matrix. Very mm. interesting. Um, and uh, man, uh, Ke- Keanu, just an ageless wonder. Just an. Ageless I mean, he looks wonder. great for his age. I do feel like, and not in a bad way, he is starting uh-huh. to show his age. He's getting a little bit more of a like. Guys pushing sixty. Yeah, like right? he's he, but he's he just recently he's getting. He was for a long time. He just seemed like locked in. He was just thirty year old Keanu forever. I feel like yes. he's just recently crossed over into. He's getting that like bigger, surly, burly old guy thing that, that some actors get. And I'm, I'm looking forward to I'll it. I'll have to watch again because I didn't really know. He's got a that. little bit more like heft, but I think, it, but I think it, it gives him a little bit more of an intimidation factor. I think it almost helps for some of this kind of stuff. So anyway, oh. you'll, you'll oh. see it. You'll, you'll see what you think. Obviously, look, look a great, uh, amazing. Both he and Carrie Moss are pulling this off. Oh, Carrie Moss In their 50s great. and completely credible a- action movie theatrics. Uh, you, you, you love mm-hmm. to see it. I also sent you the trailer for Unidentified with Demi Lovato, a four-part yes. Peacock series in which Demi Lovato, their friend Matthew, and their sister Dallas are going to look into reports mm-hmm. of UFOs. They're going to talk to experts, eyewitnesses, reviewing government documents. Uh, Lovato personally got interested at the subject they were camping at Joshua Tree with friends and believed mm-hmm. that they saw a UFO, recorded it, posted it to Instagram, and this inspired a real, a real world fascination with uh, our our extraterrestrials visiting Earth. September thirtieth, maybe they finally cracked the case. You think so? Do you really think so? This I think looks Demi like Lovato's the one finally solved it. Th- they will defeat. 
definitively answer the question, is there intelligent life? I say highly unlikely. I don't, you know. Have you seen the the film Star Trek First Contact? The message of that film, James Cromwell, an unlikely person to be making Mm -hmm. first contact for humanity with an alien race, unleashing the Star Trek utopian future, a a drunk, kind of surly, and yet he's the one who pulls it together. His warp drive technology is the reason the Vulcans were able to find Earth. This is going to be like one of those ghost hunter shows where they go into the house and they think they get a couple of readings and then something falls over and everyone's like, what the hell? And then you walk out without any conclusive proof, but something might have happened. Based on the trailer alone, uh, Demi's friend Matthew seems maybe just a very, I'm sure a a loud and enthusiastic person all the time. But it does seem like mm-hmm. Matthew is particularly, in every scene they show in the trailer, he's like screaming about whatever UFO discovery they've made. It's a lot. It's a lot. It feels like I got to be constantly at a 10. Three very effusive millennial checking out, Checking out the night sky, looking for, looking for saucers. So that's coming September 30th. Be on the lookout. Unidentified. Looked like, uh, to me, it looked like a lot of sizzle, not much steak. (laughs) Uh, The steak would be uh, proof of alien intelligence. So, yes, I I assume, as with all shows (laughs) with such lofty goals, I assume probably not a lot of steak. That's a lot to expect. God bless them all. Uh, Last trailer I sent you, Midnight Mass. This is a horror series from Mike Flanagan. He did Dr. Sleep, the film. He did the Netflix show's Haunting of Hill House slash Bly Manor. So this one is set in the isolated community of Crockett Island, which experiences strange goings on after two people arrive in town, a disgraced former resident making his return and a charismatic new priest. Uh, That is coming on September 24th. This one, like, it has all the trappings of, like, Haunting of the Hill House, kind of like, there's an ominous... And there's a lot of cast overlap. Like, a lot of the Hill House, Bly Manor people are popping back up in this. I I like the main guy that it starts with, I forget his name, but he was uh, very good on Friday Night Lights. I'll I'll look it up for you. Lon, you're a real pal, looking stuff up. As, and but I found with this trailer there wasn't enough there. There, like I want to know. I guess there, you got to save the mystery for the show. Otherwise, you're not going to have the suspense. But it's like this show is like, oh, something spooky is happening. But we literally have no idea. Like you don't know if it's a monster or there was a murder or there was anything. Like you don't know. Is it squat. Zach Guilford? I believe it's Zach. Yes, it's he was Zach Matt Guilford. Saracen. On Friday yeah, Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Saracen, get in yes, there. Yes, that's, that's the actor. Zach Guilford is who you're talking about. So he's the, we don't know what yeah. happened, but he was forced to leave Crockett Island and he's now returning. And then Hamish Linklater is the charismatic preacher who something, something is up with him as well. And we don't know. We don't know what it is. You know, it'd be cool if Zach Guilford's character uh, was disgraced because of uh, the woke mob and cancel culture. That's it. I'm sure that's the answer is that it's going to be the woke, the woke mob, the scariest monster of our time to be canceled <laughs> by the woke mob. Who, who could stand that? Uh, so that's it. That is it for the news, Hal. All right. That is it with the news coming up. We are going to talk about Worth, the new film about uh, some of the 
after effects of 9-11 on Netflix. Lon, we both watched We were like, hey, we do a funny podcast. Let's talk about 9-11. We've dug into some heavy, serious territory before. And we've done it without completely blowing up in our face. So I think we can manage to talk about a dramatization of uh, victim compensation sure. fund. So Worth, it uh, stars uh, Michael Keaton, uh, Stanley Tucci, Amy, Ryan. Amy, Amy Ryan. Madigan. Amy Ryan. Amy, why is that That's Amy like a Madigan? 30-year-old reference at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amy, Amy Ryan. Ryan. Yes, I like Amy Ryan from The Wire. So the story of Worth is what happened post 9-11 with the victim compensation funds that the government set up and the very tricky process and the just how difficult it is, it essentially asks the question, can you put a price tag on human life? And I'm not sure it quite answers that question. I think it does, actually. Um, if, from I don't my think it's really about answering that question. I think... About yeah, about addressing that question, and is that question even worth asking? Is it an askable question? Uh, so it, it dissects that question, and I enjoyed this film. I thought it was well done, and I think it's one of the better nine eleven films. I've seen because it doesn't get overwhelmed by the events of the day. It it digs into some of the red tape. There's so much we don't know that happened from the victims to the government. And I thought this movie does a nice job of pulling back the curtain on something very complicated, very heady, tough to impart to someone in a nutshell, but does a good job of exploring that and then taking it to kind of this philosophical level of what is a human being worth and exploring that question. Yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I think it's good that it sort of avoids most of the, like... It's sort of when when somebody tells you about the movie, you feel like it's going to be this ponderous thing. Like, there's this scene at the very end that I felt like was kind of tacked on where after everything's done, the story and everything is resolved, Michael Keaton just goes to the beach and, like, stands and looks at the waves. And it's like, yep. The world, man. You know, and it's like, I don't know what this shot is supposed to really express. Like, I don't get the symbolism yeah. of it or whatever. But it's just like, mm-hmm. you think that's what the whole movie's going to be. It's going to be this kind of ponderous, like, what does a soul weigh? How, how can you quantify it? And what I liked about it is that it really dug into the process of, like, how Michael Keaton was going about doing this impossible task of, like, compensating people whose lives and families were impacted by 9-11. And it really digs into like how his approach had to change and how he was willing to take input and not willing to take input and sort of the like fringe cases and extreme situations that he had to encounter. And it's got a, a flavor to it that's kind of like what I would call like competence porn. Like Michael Keaton was also in Spotlight, which I feel like also has this or like Apollo 13 or hidden mm-hmm. figures. There's something satisfying on some level about a movie that's just about people who are really good at their job, like coming together and solving a problem and figuring something out. Like there's a there's a level at which that itself is just entertaining and compelling and inspirational even in a way. That's why I feel like this connects so much is that 
there is that it's a 9-11 movie. I'm doing quotes, everybody. It's like a it's a 9-11 movie. That's obviously what it's about. But it doesn't get lost in the weeds of trying to, like, sum up the whole thing or, like, how do you talk about terror and what we all felt and what we all went through and grief. And it's too big. So I think it, it talks about that. But through this, like, by looking at it through the lens of, like, well, here was a really hard thing to untangle that happened. And we can talk about 9-11, but also talk about how it applied to this problem. And that's an elegant yeah. way around it, I think. Um, and also Keaton's really good. Yeah. Amy Ryan's really good. Stanley Tucci's amazing in this. Like, well, it's like a heartbreaking yeah. performance. And and I thought Keaton was going to be, like, it was touch and go for a moment with, because he's doing a heavy Boston Yeah, accent, he's making and, some big choices right off the bat. And it's like, oh, this could go south. You know, and Michael Keaton, uh, you know, he's a goy. Yeah, yeah. And as a Jew, uh, there's a goys and Jews. And uh, But he's playing a Jew, and I wasn't so sure about that, but I forgot about that for a while. And, you know, although there's a whole other conversation about Rachel Brosnahan and Jew face and the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I, I am seriously digressing here. But the, the accent he does, is, it's a big swing with his Boston accent. And you know what? I got on board with it after a while, and I kind of it's enjoyed it. It's a big accent, but he's at least consistent with it. Like, it doesn't slip. He yeah. does it the whole time. He never he never drops it. He does. It's just big. And it humanized, like, you know, 9-11 is such a big thing because you have the whole zero dark 30 aspect of it. You have the whole United 93, Paul Greengrass, that film about the United 93. But this, it's from, like... The victims, the families that were affected by it, and I thought it does a nice job of often imparting things that we think about less. I mean, you think about the people who died, but just how that resonated in a personal way for people who suffered immense loss. And um, and then it brings up some interesting stuff about that, like the idea that people, some people who died in that were in domestic partnerships and same-sex relationships before gay marriage was legal and they even though it was their partner their significant other they were not allowed to receive compensation there's i think there's a um an interesting storyline regarding that and then other stuff that you don't think about but uh it handles all of this stuff well and it's and it's pretty like just for being so heavy and for um being like you said uh i I, you know your term competence uh, porn Competence porn, yes. Um, oh, I was going to say compensation porn, which I, I think is you always got to get compensated. That's rule one of yes. porn. Get paid if you're going to yeah, do don't, porn. Don't do it for free. That's like porno rule number one, baby. Yup, yup. Don't yeah. get <laughs> it's not that is not porn. It's um, just uh, you're having sex with somebody. Yeah, watching the the competence of these individuals, a little bit of I think would big short fall into that. Sure, uh, I mean like, it, like it's bit. an aspect yeah. of a lot of movies because that's a fun thing to watch and it does it makes you feel like you know like oh they could do it I could do it and and it, you you feel like you're learning something like oh that's how this comes together like that's how that's how this side of the world that I don't ever personally get to see works and yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I think that that has an innate appeal, and I think that it works really well for this movie to sort of take this big, scary, heady topic we don't like to think about and help us sort of process it in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming and where it's just like, you know, especially this week, there's so much 
content coming out about 9-11. And it's all, listen, I'm not yes. knocking any of it. It's all important and and worth watching, or a lot of it. What I've seen, I obviously can't watch everything. But I, it, it, a lot of it is just overwhelming. You see that footage over and over again of the buildings and the people in New York and the disaster itself. And I think this is a way to sort of like, it's, you know, like looking at the eclipse through the... Through, you know, whatever, the, the, the toilet paper roll. Like, it lets you look at yes. it, but you don't have to look at it directly. You can sort of think about it in this other way. Absolutely. It's from a, a different perspective. Yeah. And like you were saying, Lon, it is a heavy kind of, uh, there's like a barrier to entry here with like, oh, that seems like just like a, that's going to be a plodding story to tell, just so heavy. But this is a well-paced um, and not as uh, uh, tough uh, to get into film as I expected. So yeah, I, th mm -hmm. I think it's uh worth checking out. Although I will say one thing that bugged me, I don't know, this is a tiny thing, but they just showed Michael Keaton, like when on the morning of 9-11, like just in, glued in front of his TV with the same expression on his face. I'm like, you know, have him eating a sandwich or something. Maybe he gets it up and It was very early. It was too early for a yeah. sandwich. Maybe. Maybe a breakfast yeah, burrito. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Worth on Netflix, commemorate the 20th anniversary. By the time this is, they're listening to this, it's already after. So, you know what? Relive, Relive the 20th the, yes, anniversary. Exactly. Re remember, nostalgically recall the 9-11 anniversary with Worth. If you're, if you're planning a 9-11 content yeah, marathon, you, know. you gotta gear worth. up. You gotta gear up. Uh, okay. Worth it's uh, considerably considerably heavier than our next piece of fare, Cinderella okay. on Amazon uh, from uh, writer director Kay Cannon. It's a it's a new take on a classic story. What do you think was the core idea here that Kay Cannon or whomever brought? I guess James Corden they're saying was the the originator of this concept, mm -hmm. and then Kay Cannon was brought in to write a direct. What do you think that original idea was? Like, what do you think Corden went to Amazon or Sony? It would be Sony. Corden went to Sony and said, I got a great idea for a new take on Cinderella. It's going to be brilliant. We'll get the girl who sings that Havana song. She's great. Beyond that, mm -hmm. what do you think was the pitch? Because I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. You put in some pop okay. hits. You celebrate, but it's not all pop hits. Some original songs as well. You celebrate the idea of this movie is all about girl bosses. It, it, people really fixated on that. It, it is. There is weird capitalist stuff where she doesn't want to be. She doesn't just want to marry a prince. She wants to open a dress shop. And and women in this kingdom are not allowed to go into business for themselves. And I agree with you that that is weird. It's a weird thing to put in a Cinderella story. But everybody's fixating on that, whereas I think literally everything about this movie is weird. There's not one thing in this movie is seems like a cool, funny, interesting choice that matches anything else in this movie that makes any kind. It's happening in this crazy, absurd world. Mm -hmm. And like, I couldn't figure out what the fuck was even supposed to be going on. Like, what was the what was the overriding concept? Is it? Yeah, is, it's funny. It, I don't want to, you know, burst your bubble here, Lon. But I think you might be overthinking it. I think it's just um, taking a very recognizable piece of IP and exploiting it <laughs> for content but purposes. Like, 
Oh, okay, like, look, I'm not even saying, like, like do a new version of Cinderella. It's fine. I don't care. Put some pop songs in it. But, like, why a mix of old songs that kids like? Why, like, Rhythm Nation and, like, Queen song? Yeah. Like, the choices of songs is fucking ridiculous. Like, they don't suit Camila Cabello. They're not contemporary in any way. They don't make any sense mm-hmm. in context. Like in what way is that kingdom? But I'm glad I'm gl- like, I liked the, uh, a couple of them. Oh boy. In what way is that kingdom a rhythm nation? In no way, in no fucking way, in no way are they a rhythm nation. In no way. You're not part of one. And I don't know if you caught this in the very beginning, Lon, like you just talking about, like, there's a lot of random weird stuff that happens. There- Everything that happens is like, well, I- all right. So this is old-timey. This is an old-timey world where there's, you know, obviously no electricity, cars, there's horse and carriages, but someone was using an electric sander. Sometimes it's like 19th century, and then sometimes it's like almost present day, but they're just like yeah. in a in the woods. Like I don't it's it's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I feel like like Pierce Brosnan and Minnie Driver are also in this as the prince's parents, and we spend so much time with them, but they don't even have characters. It's like they're literally just the king and queen, and the king wants the prince to get married, and the queen doesn't seem to give a shit. And that's like that's their whole character. But then the king uh, disrespects the queen, yeah. and the queen uh, is like, oh, well, you, my feelings are hurt, and then Pierce Brosnan has to sing. It's so just uh, by the numbers and... Uh, it's like the opposite. Like the numbers are all in random order, and it's by the numbers. I couldn't figure out what the hell was even well, going on. D- there's, just, there's so much going Like, it's so... Scenes are incredibly long. Nothing really links up to anything. A lot of the time they have to bring in this dude to like rap and catch you up with what's happening because the town crier, they haven't filled in enough of the story. So like the town crier has to come and be like, all right, everybody, listen. I have a rap song that's going to take the place of three scenes that we didn't shoot. Like, I don't, it feels Mm -hmm. like it's chaos. This thing is chaos. Also, it doesn't live up to some of the things that I expect from a Cinderella. I Aren't the stepsisters supposed to be more awful? Yeah, Idina Menzel plays the, the wicked stepmother, and then I didn't recognize the two actors playing the stepsister, but they're, yeah, they're more just like self-obsessed and, and dumb than evil. There's, yeah. They're not really evil. And honestly, like, they're almost sympathetic because it's the society that's saying women can't do anything. Like, their kind of hands are tied. Like, Mm -hmm. the other thing is they've written themselves to a corner because in the original Cinderella, the girls all want to get married. And so they want to go to the ball. That's where you have a chance to meet somebody to marry. Right. And that's why they don't want to let Cinderella go to the ball. She has to stay home and do the work. She's not allowed to go find a suitor. But in this... Idina Menzel wants Cinderella to get married to get her out of the house. So she should want mm-hmm. her to go to the ball. It doesn't make sense to not let her go to the ball. But then there's no Cinderella. Like She looks too fly, and then she also wants to marry her off, too. Like, it doesn't really fit. This movie celebrates everybody, except there's one who's uh, one guy who's like a quote-unquote conventionally unattractive 
dude who is allowed to be beaten like a pinata. <laughs> right, uh, that's true. Um, like there's there's one ugly dude that um, the uh, Adina Menzel wants to marry Camila Cabello off to. He's one of those guys that he's like movie coded as a creep. He doesn't do anything creepy. He's not he's not overtly bad, but he's like mm-hmm. coded as a creep, so it's okay for the movie to abuse him. So some really good messaging here of celebrating girl bosses and uh, fuck you if you are not conventionally attractive. <laughs> like the theme of 90% of Hollywood films is indeed fuck you if you aren't conventionally attractive. Yeah, pretty much. I pretty feel much. like that's a given. It's uh, one other thing. Uh, Cinderella's like is supposed to live in like just like squalid conditions. Her basement, yeah, that would be like a sick open floor plan apartment. It's like beautiful there, and for a basement, there's great lighting in there. In the story, she's cin- her name is Ella. She's Cinderella. They're being mean because she's got soot all over her face because she lives in a fucking basement. Imagine them covering Camilla Cabello's beautiful face in soot for this, like. Of course they're not going to. So yeah, it, it's all yeah. it's all very lovely and and nice and uh, there's none of the darkness you'd expect from a sort of a fa- fairy tale from this era. But I don't know. I just yeah, like not as good as in like another uh, James Corden joint. I mean, I don't know how big he was in uh, the uh, actual production of it. He was in it. Um, Into the Woods. Into the Woods was highly enjoyable. No, he had nothing to do with that creatively. He was just in it. Uh, also, uh, yeah, th- how can you name her Ella and not have uh, Umbrella by Rihanna in there? Yikes. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds what? like the kinds of ideas that we're probably knocking around in this writer's room. Listen, uh, I mean... Kcat, this is disappointing for her because she did Blockers, which is fantastic. Really funny. Mm-hmm. I just feel like this was like a, you know, gig, like, tossed off kind yeah. of thing. There are a couple of good songs in, in uh, Adina Menzel. Yeah. No, there are not, folks. Folks, no, there aren't. There are not good songs. Yeah, I, I liked the rendition of En Vogue's uh, What a Man, What a Man, What a Mighty <laughs> oh Good God. Man. And then I also liked uh, Material Girl by uh, that uh, Madonna's Material Girl. Why are these songs in a, in a movie that's presumably for young people in 2021? Who, like Material Girl? All these great questions, <laughs> but those were yeah. the songs that I enjoyed. Anyway, Cinderella is on Amazon. That also is not a good showcase for Adina, Adina Menzel's got these crazy pipes that are going to give her a Madonna pop. No offense to to Madge, but those songs were not designed to really like showcase a Broadway talent. But she made it her own a little bit. You know how like some singers might make the national anthem their own when they sing it. It seems like you could do better for Adina Menzel. Yeah, I mean, uh, for if you've got Adele Dazeem there, the wickedly talented. And also, Lon, here's here's one thing. Take this with a grain of salt, everybody, because I don't think Lon and I, two uh, middle-aged dudes in their 40s, are the demographic for this. Are you sure? Because if you're going to play Queen and Madonna songs, we absolutely are. You know what? Take that back. Uh, we are the demographic, and we're... This was made for me. A little lukewarm on Cinderella. <laughs> and I was lukewarm on it. Cinderella... It's there on Amazon. Watch it and sing along. Sing along to this grand fairy tale. We also watched a documentary that dropped recently on Netflix, Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal, and Greed. Not happy about this one. I feel betrayed. I got through this whole thing and I was like, this is yet another one of those streaming documentary things. This is only a film. 
they really don't even have that much. I'm not saying that the people who currently own Bob Ross Inc. and own the rights to Bob Ross's legacy, I'm not defending them. They seem like genuinely shitty people Mm -hmm. who did a bad thing. Yes. But it also doesn't seem like legally they did anything wrong. The case against them is just these greedy people and they worked with Bob Ross for many years and Bob Ross wanted his kid and his brother cut in on his fortune and then they outmaneuvered Mm -hmm. the kid and the brother who were not really paying very close attention and they got outplayed for this legacy and now they're cut out of the legacy. And it's a sad story. I'm not and and, and I wouldn't defend the 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 shitty people who who rip these guys off. But is there a whole documentary here really? I mean, is this, it feels like I, what I just said is the whole story. So I looked it up. I was like, who who are the people who made this? And it was directed by a guy named Joshua Rofe and his previous project mm-hmm. was that fucking Hulu Sasquatch documentary that we watched, which was the same goddamn thing. He found a guy that had a story that's like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. of story, and he was like, I hit the the jackpot. This is going to be an eight-part series. And it's like, dude, you're on thin ice at this point, man. There's another carryover between the two. They didn't explore enough, like, some of the real interesting things. Like, for the Sasquatch documentary, marijuana growers defending their crops by any means necessary, that's going to be an interesting story. That's, like, I want to hear the intrigue of fucking um, illicit drug growers in the 1970s and 80s. And with this one... They just touched on it for a moment, but the, before the documentary, I had heard that there's a lot more Bob Ross material, paintings out there than it seemed that he did, and they just dipped their toes in that water. That's a because he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have any proof. He's just he doesn't he doesn't have any proof. But the, if you're going to go there, explore that. The fact that there are fraudulent Bob Rosses out there, like that's something you could. It's Blow like, open. look, man, like, I, 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 Bob Ross was a, was an interesting guy. If you wanted to do just, like, a profile, really dig into his life or his journey or whatever, I think that would be fine. But this this one, it doesn't, it's like filler. It's, it's one of those documentaries where it's, like, a lot of people kind of vaguely waxing philosophical about what this guy meant to people and why he was famous and what, what, and, like... I get that he meant a lot to a lot of people. I'm not shitting on Bob Ross and his legacy, but I don't need to see a lot of people just describe it. Like, show clips of him, a few scenes of people talking about that, and then I get it, and it's time to move on. It's like, they can't because he doesn't really have the goods. Once again, it's like the promise of all of this tantalizing dirt, and then, like, you don't really have it. There's not really there's there's not really much going on here. It's like this greedy couple, and they saw an opportunity, yes. and they, they got it, and they outmaneuvered these two guys who, again, like, weren't really that into it and didn't know what they had. Like, that's the theme of the whole thing. I don't regret watching this as much as Lon seemingly oh does. There, there are a couple of fun parts. I enjoyed learning that ladies loved Bob Ross. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. You know, like, that, that was was always I felt like the vibe of that show. I'm not people now treat it like he was just this. It was like Mr. Rogers, like oh, it makes you feel good. And like, like he was a you know he was an inspirational, motivational figure. But there was always a bedroom eye seduction level to it for sure. Lon has been seduced by Bob yeah. Ross from way back. He would keep his like shirt a little unbuttoned, and it was always like 
Yeah, let's really. Get I thought in that there. was just the seventies style. Well, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, sedu- bedroom eyes on TV was very seventies. Yeah, they get into that and how he had this whole lure, like at conventions, and he was out and about, and ladies wanted. Yeah, to get- he's almost like whispering. It's like, it's but, like- and they then when they say that, and when they get into that as he's painting, and he's like, "Yes, make it nice and wet," and like his voice, you can do whatever you want to do in there. Nobody's watching. Nobody's judging you. It's your world. You can explore. Let your fingers. It was like ASMR for lonely housewives, like with, while their husbands are at work or something. So that's why I think he's so ripe for parody. That was fun. There, there were some fun aspects of this documentary. I think it's that tension that makes Bob Ross like fun to parody. Like so many people have done parodies, and he's he's often mocked in that way because it's this weird tension of like. It's this very, like, old person sort of thing of, like, I'm going to show you how to paint on TV, and it's very, like, old-timey. But you've got this guy who's very clearly trying to be, like, sort of sensual about it. See, I didn't get that. This is new to me, I definitely Ron, think because that's I there. thought Bob Ross, I thought Bob Ross was more of just, like, relaxing and kind of fun with his big hair and everything. Well, sure, if you're if you're not keyed into the other level, sure, it is all, I'm not denying that it is those things. I wasn't keyed in. I didn't know that uh, Bob Ross uh, was uh, a real Casanova, hmm. so. A great, a great coxman, one of the great coxmen. Oh, one of the great Coxman, a great stick man, <laughs> Bob Ross. But it touches on these things, but it doesn't hit them hard enough. Oh, this guy uh, is on my list. I'm on the lookout now. I'm on the lookout. It is a sad story, and you, you hear from his family members who kind of got just uh, um, jerked around by the people who own Bob Ross's estate now. It's unfortunate. It's really one thing. I'm going to spoil it. Bob Ross had laid out a legal document in his will that was like, this part of my earn of my estate goes into a trust and it's going to go to my brother, Jimmy, and then he'll share it with my son when my son comes of age. That was it. Bob Ross had signed it. It was in. And then unbeknownst to his son, Jimmy Cox, Bob Ross's brother, at some point signed that away to the people who owned Bob Ross Inc. and the rights to all of his merchandise and whatever else. And that one thing mm-hmm. screwed the sun and they, they now they don't get anything. And it is sad, but I don't know if there's a documentary there. I think that's just a shitty legal maneuver and it, it makes you mad when you hear about it. But I don't I don't know that this earned my hour 45 minutes or whatever. Will it earn your hour 45? Maybe you'll decide by watching it. Or maybe you'll just skip it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought that, but uh, I agree that it didn't go deep enough on many of the things that it presented. Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Betrayal and Greed, Happy Little Trees on Netflix. Check it out if you're so inclined or frickin' skip it and go do something else. Get outside and enjoy the the last few warm days before the winter's here. What's brand new cherry flavor again? Just restart that bad boy. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I wish uh, that it didn't seem like that caught on as, as much. No, you and I are like the only two people <laughs> I know so far. No, that's not true. I think one or two other people on Twitter I've been like, that was great. They were like, I know, but nobody else watched it. Yeah, uh, that was a damn good show. Uh, check out Brand New <laughs> Cherry Flavor on Netflix. Uh, I, I don't mind shilling for that one more Go time. Go back and, and check it. And uh, I don't mind shilling for Owl Nation. Hoot, hoot, hashtag Owl Nation. Where my gahooligans at? There's a little owl that lives in all of our hearts and butts. Starburns Audio. 
I thank you. Travis Reeves, thank you for producing this dog and pony show. Jason Kay, uh, appreciate your sweet licks to open the show. Lon Harris, please tell them where they can find you. Oh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with everything I'm doing. You can also subscribe to my newsletter, inside.com slash streaming. I write about all this stuff uh, every day. Five days a week, at least. Uh, and that's a great place to keep up with all the streaming news. I also have another podcast called Garmin Shosia. We just now showed up on Apple Podcasts, so we're in iTunes now, as well as everywhere else. Uh, that's me and Video Drew talking about. This week we talked about uh, there is a Facebook group with many thousands of people in it dedicated to the idea that mountains are actually huge brick buildings that were once occupied by giants that just melted over time. Oh, boy. It's a, a popular belief out there on the internet. Mountains are melted brick buildings. I bet the uh, the Venn diagram between people who believe that and flat earthers has some crossover. Well, you have to believe two different things, because this would be the earth must have been much larger if it was supporting. I oh. mean, think about it. Like, think of a mountain. Imagine that's your house, like the size you would have to be. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. I mean, so, my... I mean, we're talking about a bigger Earth to sustain uh, a giant population. We're not talking like Andre the Giant. We're talking like Attack on Titan Giant. Like some fee-fi-fo-fum shit. Like a kaiju-level giant. Damn. Lon, that sounds super cool. You can find <laughs> me on Twitter and Instagram, at Hal Rudnick, or uh, jump on Twitch if you're if you're uh, twitching at all, uh, twitch it up with me. Twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick, where doing some comedy shows, doing some movie watch alongs, and other good stuff on there. Thanks for listening to us. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye bye. bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys. Hal Rudnick.